You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. My guest today is Scheduling Committee Chair, Captain Marty Harrington. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. You're in working on the October build this week. What's new this month? Yeah, I have to say, we did the podcast last month, and it was well-received. You asked me to come back and do another one. If the pilots want more communication in this venue, a podcast, then we can do that. We do the SIG notes every month. We get that information out there. But if more pilots would want to listen to the podcast about scheduling on a month-to-month, I'd be happy to do it. Since you just mentioned the SIG notes, we get questions from pilots from time to time asking, why do they always come out right before the bid closes? So five to 8,000 word document. We start it once we publish the bid packs. Everybody has an input. All the PSID, all the bid packs have an input. I have my input at the top. We get all the statistics. That's Thursday. I compile them with Mike Piercy's help. We put all the chart data in. We send it to the company for chop because they get to chop the SIG notes as well. They get that back to me typically Sunday over the weekend. And we send it over to Alpa headquarters for their chop. We have to have Alpa take a look at it as well. And we push to get that thing published Monday night. Captain's bids close on Tuesday. We have to push everybody at every juncture to get that thing out by Monday night. So it's important that pilots know it's a joint document. It's not just a union document. Yeah, and it is important in that direction too, because we do want both sides to have a say. It's an official document. It's spoken about in the uh, 25BB that we would jointly publish communications to the pilots, and we've just come out with that format. And I think it's very important for them to get out before the bid closes, because there's always a tidbit of information in there, and maybe I bid, bid this or watch out for that pairing or sequence. And more pilots will read them if they come out before the bid closes. So it's important for us, the PSIT SIG, to get that thing out as soon as we can. And Monday night, we push everybody to get it published by Monday night. And there's more information in the SIG notes, aside from just a pilot wanting to see what their airplane numbers are for that month. You also have items like trip services in the SIG notes. Right. And we also put in a blurb from Fatigue Risk. The Bassett Brothers have an input Trip Services, like you said, has a long list of the hotels, catering notes, all that at the bottom. So there's a lot of information there every month. You can also get them on your company iPad. So we push them out to the company. You do have to download them. It's under SIG. There's a SIG category, but uh, you can read them on your next trip when you're bored flying across the country. All right, well, let's go back to what's new this month. So... The past year, obviously post-COVID, the post-COVID hangover we've been in, everything has been trending down. The amount of credit hours is trending down. The amount of pilots, we call it the NPOPs is another stupid term that we created, uh, non-pay-only pilots or line pilots. That number has continued to increase throughout the first six months, seven months of this year. The new hires that we hired back in December, they started getting to the line March, April timeframe, we slowed down the amount of training. So those instructors now, or flex pilots, will go back and fly the line. So the amount of line pilots has continued to increase up until August. And then August to September, we saw our first decrease by about 100. That trend should continue downward now. So 
like we said, to alleviate the staffing issue, we need less pilots. And as we get retirements, we're not getting any new hires back on the property. So that number is going to continue to trend down. What we were also concerned about is the amount of freight, the amount of credit hours, block and credit. And that number, August, September, and October now, three months in a row, we've seen increases in credit. I want to say two months ago, we had a bunch of X pairings that popped in after the bids closed. We got a brand new customer, added the X pairings. The deal was finalized after the bid packs came out. And those were incorporated into the September pairings. We got more flying at the end of the September bid pack. And now we've incorporated that flying into October. We also saw a number of charters pop in. And all this is leading to the trend. The amount of pilots, line pilots, is on the decrease. The amount of flying is on the increase. And next month, we'll officially begin peak. Towards the end of November, we'll see more freight due to warehousing and international freight will come in as stores stock up for Christmas. And then in December, we'll see obviously the biggest month of the year for us. We'll see everybody shipping everything as we back up Santa Claus for the month. And I will say I was very concerned about 482B and 482C. Even starting this year, I saw where the trends were going. And it is my job to be worried about these things. So we looked into getting the right SAM number Two months in a row, for the first time in a year, that SAM has remained steady. It was 70.1 last month. It was 70 this month. We won't get the official SAM number for October until the secondaries, but I believe it will trend up. So everything is trending up that needs to. The amount of pilots is slowly decreasing. So barring any outside event, the economy, age 67, anything else, if everything remains stable, I think we've seen the worst. We're not going to 482B this year. And if things trend the same way, we won't go into 482B next year. Knock on wood. So things have stabilized. Yes. And slowly seeing a trend in the positive direction. Let's talk a little bit about the SIG quarterly. Can yeah. you tell pilots what that is? Yeah, the SIG quarterly. It's written up in CBA. It's 25 BB quarterly cross-sectional meeting. And we have a number of people that attend, global network planning, crew resource planning, flight management, GOC, crew resource scheduling, aircraft acquisitions, charter operations, and flight safety. So at this meeting, my objective typically is to find out where the company is headed over the next couple of months and in the longer term, the next couple of years. Are we acquiring airplanes? Are we hiring pilots? And... I try to extract as much information from this meeting as possible. It's also the purpose of this meeting is to work out solutions for both the pilots and the corporation, mutually beneficial solutions where possible. So I'll say the company is not a monolith. And by that, I mean our first interaction with the company is typically a scheduler will call you up and say, I got a trip for you. And the pilots, a lot of times, will think, that's the corporation. Why is the company doing this to me? Why is this happening? And all these people across the corporation that attend the SIG quarterly, they have inputs, and crew scheduling is just a small part of the corporation. So, for example, global network planning. They plan flights from 
airport A to airport B. What type of airplane do we need on that leg? Time changes. We'll ask for a time change. For us, we try and build, build the lines that the pilots want. Week on, week off, efficient flying for both the pilots and the company. Sometimes a flight change of time change, maybe five minutes, where we could build out a line but if we don't get that time change, we can't because it's, it hits some limit, either CBA or an FAR. So we'll go to global network planning and say, hey, can we have this five-minute time change? And there are so many factors that go into, believe it or not, a five-minute time change. Uh, the outstation, what time do their workers there, what time do they close off freight to put on the plane coming into the hub, all the coordination with the airplane's landing within a small window of time. Then there's engineers that discuss how much freight, if it comes in at this point in time during the hub, can it get out to where it needs to go for the flight to go out at that specific time? So when we ask for a time change, they might have to go to the outstation, they might have to ask the engineering for FedEx here in Memphis, can we do this? And so we get frustrated if we ask for time change, but there's a lot more to it behind the scenes that we don't know about, and then they have to go back and forth. So... Uh, that's one of the things that we'll talk about at the SIG quarterly. What else? GOC. Uh, we'll ask both GOC and CRS, crew resource scheduling, have an input for airport standbys or hotel standbys. So if there's a need, GOC will add specific standbys at that point in time. GOC, this month, we're going to discuss the cost index with GOC, if the specific cost index is X or Y. Something else we talk about is historic flight times. Where do those historic flight times come from? So we get that question from a lot of pilots, especially when it's right on a border of, do we get an RFO or not get an RFO? So 735 is the contractual requirement at 736 actually. 735 is the number, but you have to have 736 to add that first RFO. There has to be a number that defines adding an RFO. For us in our CBA, 735, which is a buffer to the FAR of eight hours. Now, that gives us a 25-minute buffer to play with in case, you know, one week the winds are in your face and another week they're, they're not. And over an eight-hour flight, just a slight change in wind can put you 15 minutes ahead, 20 minutes behind, back and forth. The FAR doesn't, even, doesn't require it unless the historical is over eight and we get that historical from the previous two years. It's a quarterly, two-year look back average. So January, February, March, they go back the previous January, February, March, and two years ago, average it out, and that's what they typically get. They'll average out all the segments, all the legs, taxi time, all that, and that's what they'll come up with. If they don't have a historical, they'll just work up a solution through other airplanes or routings and add them all together. Sometimes we'll see something change and we will react real time. A couple of years ago, we saw a flight was going over, over, over every single day. And it was just under the requirement for an RFO. And once we got a month's data of it going over, we went to the corporation and said, hey, you need to add an RFO. Can you add an RFO on this leg? And, and they did. Do you find there are challenges with the SIG quarterly meetings? I'll say one of the toughest things about the SIG quarterly is finding out who to ask the question to. We have GOC. GOC sometimes will say, no, that's a CRS question, or CRS will say that's a GOC question. 
we have global network planning. We have domestic global network planning and international global network planning. And it is difficult to figure out who gets the question for that month. So when's your next SIG quarterly meeting? So our SIG quarterly is planned for next month. And we also get crew resource scheduling there. So there's a number of issues with crew resource scheduling. We get questions from pilots, uh, especially now when we're overstaffed. We're still getting insufficient reserves back from trip trade requests or drops. Why is that? They follow a program, a staffing modeling program, and that will either flag it as an okay or it's not okay. I'll say this, their programming in CRS needs updating. It's a little antiquated. And like everything, everybody wants to update the software and you know, but they're it would help CRS if their programming was updated. And we're also looking back on historical that adds to this program. And last year, where were we? We were way understaffed. So they're looking at, you know, with this amount of reserves or a trip's in open time, or it's expected to be an open time. A guy's out sick. The program knows that he's out sick. And they're looking at a seven-day pairing that he's on in, in a week. And they're they're going to flag it as red for a seven-day pairing. And then that would be why insufficient reserves would be a result of a trip trade. And I understand that is, it's very frustrating for pilots, especially now. We have 20, 30 guys on reserve any given day. They get insufficient reserves. Uh, but we'll try and work with them and say, you know, is there a way to at least look at the programming to update it to where we won't get an insufficient reserves when we have so many extra pilots on hand right now. In last month's podcast, we talked about the company assigning R24s early. Is that still going on? It is still happening. They're still utilizing 25G. We had a discussion about that today with company SIG. And in this overstaffed situation, I can understand the corporation wants to utilize the reserves more for some of these trips that pop into open time or the base airport standbys. But what my concern is, when are they going to turn that around? If staffing starts coming around, targets are moving back up, BLGs move back up, the company wants the pilots to work on their days off. So I'm going to have that discussion next month and see you know, where we see it turning around. I'm sure there'll be a lot more availability for extra pairings in November and December, especially peak. There's always extra pairings coming around. We had, uh, again, we had a number of extra pairings pop in and charters pop in there uh, over the past couple weeks, and they got picked up pretty quick. On these upturns and downturns on staffing, I'll say it exacerbates the situation either going up or going down. And by that, I mean, if we're overstaffed right now, which we are, a trip drops into open time, it is a feeding frenzy on that trip. People will pick up extra flying as soon as it's available. So now you actually need less reserves because the guy's padding on his calendar and that exacerbates the situation as well. Now you have less training going on in this environment, overstaffing. So those instructors come out and fly the line. So it feeds itself going down and it'll feed itself going up the same way. When we saw COVID, now 
trips are in open time. The, the BLGs on the lines will get bigger and bigger. People won't want to fly on their week off. They want to take a week off. And then there'll be more trips in open time. They'll be using more reserves, which now will drive the demand for the need for more pilots. So both on the upswing and the downswing, it feeds itself going up and down. And they're very, very hard to predict these swings. As you mentioned, these swings, it's clear there's a lot of moving parts. We have received questions from pilots that during the road shows, there was talk that we're overmanned and maybe heading toward 42B or 42C. And then now there's this thought that maybe we've stabilized or maybe there's an upward trend. The fact is that these types of statements are actually just snapshots in time. We just take the trends that we see and we explain the trends or tell pilots, you know, what's going on. 482B is just a circuit breaker. 482C would be very dramatic here. It's lower BLGs, and it's been my goal to keep us out of 482C this year. Not that I have that much control over it, but it would be devastating to the crew force to to drop BLGs by 20% across the board. And what we believe is that 482B and C, that language, is actually keeping them from going into that language because 42C, they have to have the system bid. There's still two system bids behind. They haven't finished the previous two. And other restrictions capping carry out. There would have to be a system-wide cap spread on line value. Right now, 777 still seeing very high line values because when you fly a guy around the world, you don't want to stop him. You don't want to stop an Asian and have to deadhead him home. If they were to start cutting those 777 pairings to the spread required under 42C, it's going to cost them more money. So I believe they made a conscious effort. That I don't think they need to go into 42C, and hopefully trends continue, and, and we won't even hit 42B. Talk some about questions you're getting from pilots. So I did get a couple questions on the extra pairings that were added last month and the extra pairings that were added this month. Those pairings, as I said, was a a new vendor that we signed a contract with. Those pairings, those segments are included, all included in the October numbers. And the October, as I said, the October credit has increased month over month. So definitely a positive trend. But all those X pairings now, we're very happy we got them. And now we're happy they're incorporated into the bid packs. The other thing I want to say about the extra pairings Extra pairings cost more money. Again, the, the bid pack pairings are published. We got them this week. And then Peace, it's all busy building the lines. They can't alter them now. If they do, they would be either ratted or their value would go too high for on a line or it would go onto a day off. So they have to wait until either a day before the secondary working window opens or after the secondary working the programming is a bit inflexible. So they don't have the opportunity to, in the middle of publishing something, of changing it, right? So at some point in time, you have to create a pairing and you live with that pairing until either you have a one-day window before the secondary working window opens or after the secondaries are open, then those changed pairings or X pairings will populate open time for view add. So, but it is kind of inflexible. If you create a pairing, it's very hard to change it as we're building lines because then it would just change the equation or the numbers wouldn't fall into a spread. 
that type of thing. The ripple effect. Yes, yeah. The extra pairings are more expensive. If you can throw every segment into the pairing generator, overall it's cheaper because you can combine segments, add this segment here, add the segment there. X pairings, extra pairings, typically when you see them, they're more deadheads. The manager that does wet leasing also does charters. He writes the contracts up and, and works the deals out with either a corporation that we are going to hire to wet lease or if it's a charter. And those charters, when you see them, are very highly uh, desired from the crew force because they have these crazy deadheads. And those deadheads are expensive and the company doesn't want to do that. But they want to make the money from the pairing. So outside that pairing generation process, it costs more to create a pairing. So in essence, it incentivizes the company to put as many of these pairings into the bid pack as possible. So much more efficient, cheaper, et cetera. Well, Marty, thanks again for coming. Any final thoughts? So as of today, looking at the October bid pack, I'm cautiously optimistic about the future here. We're seeing the number of line pilots go down. The number of flying is going up. We have peak. And yeah, I'm looking forward to 2024. Well, thanks, Marty. Thanks for coming. And thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please go to our website, fdx.alpha.org, and utilize the DART link. And as always, be safe out there, and we'll see you next time.